Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We gather for this service of ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe. On this first Sunday of the month, as is our custom, we welcome all of whatever age, station, or background to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Those listening on the radio may request communion in the home by calling the chapel office. On this Sunday, we commend to you the ministry of the chapel and its programmatic offerings and its sermon offerings found on our website. On this Sunday, we invite those so moved to identify as members of the chapel chapter simply by speaking with our director of hospitality or one of the clergy or by leaving a note in the collection plate. On this Sunday, we encourage all to continue or to commence the practice of tithing, of disciplined generosity, and to indicate interest in giving to our chapel director, Ray Bouchard, by email, phone, or voice. On this first Sunday, we ask you to ask yourself what form your ministry here will take in the coming weeks and months. A community luncheon and today a party for our chapel children follows worship downstairs and all are warmly invited. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. And also. Let us exchange with one another signs of his peace. From Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. The word of the Lord. 
A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart, for all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now please join me in reading responsively the Canticle of Zechariah with the Antiphon. be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant the oath, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness, for him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. Now please rise in body or in spirit for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. In the fifteenth year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah in the wilderness. He went into all the region around the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Prayer is a precursor. Prayer is a precursor to learning and doing and being. The life of prayer prepares the future's way and precursors have a powerful influence. A couple of weeks ago, we were invited back to the Cornell community, Ithaca, New York, with whom we were in ministry 35 years ago. The church there celebrated their 100th birthday, the anniversary of a community whose preachers had included John R. Mott, some future deans and presidents of various schools, the husband of Pearl Buck, a former Cornell Sage Chapel Dean and others. Sometimes they occasionally got saddled with inexperienced young pastors along the way as well. This community called the Forest Home Chapel, Ithaca, models one future route for Northern and extended Northern Methodism in three dimensions. The church is liberal, a reconciling congregation, something of a given, given its history. Church is well-led and prizes ministerial excellence with strong preaching, now offered by the Reverend Rebecca Dolch, a preacher of the first water. The church is low overhead, no debt, modest building, adequate manse, and voluminous volunteer activity. Theirs is the future, escaping fundamentalism, poor unordained leadership, and old creaking massive building structure. In fact, they are a precursor, one route, one model for what will remain in the Northeast in our tradition. After the service, about a hundred of us enjoyed a meal and memories. Jan remembered serving as interim director of the nursery school there, for which three mornings her husband had childcare responsibilities. He would sometimes show up, she recalled, coming over from the parsonage next door and asking, what do I do now? As happens, that memory triggered the following. Here in Marsh Chapel, Boston, in 2010, I received a phone call from the New York Times. That is not a daily occurrence. Were you the minister in Ithaca in 1980? Who wants to know, I asked. (laughs) Was there a child care program in your church? I referred the reporter to the response given moments before. 
We have a senatorial candidate, a Republican in Illinois, a Cornell graduate who claims a background in early childhood education and when pressed identified the program in your church as his employer. The current director looked through records and found no evidence, but gave us your name. I will be sure to thank her, I replied. <laughs> but what did you say was the candidate's name? Mark Kirk. I could give no evidence against or for his employment there. I said something like possible, possible but not likely, but I don't know. So my sole offering to date to the New York Times is the fairly lame phrase, possible but not likely, or something similar. This week, you learned of a vote on gun control in the United States Senate in which just one, just one member of Senator Kirk's party crossed the line to vote to strengthen gun controls. That was Senator Mark Kirk himself. I can imagine that his choice took some courage. In that, he is a precursor. A precursor goes ahead and has powerful influence on the future. And Kirk, at this point, is one. Maybe that Cornell education moved him. Maybe he did work with kids in the church basement. Maybe he heard something inside or outside of worship which stayed with him. Maybe he remembered the primary precursor to the gospel, today's John the Baptist in Lucan guise. Dressed in camel's hair with a diet of locusts and honey, though you notice Luke omits to dress and feed him, as Mark so does. John the Baptist is the precursor to Jesus. You cannot get to Christmas without Advent. You cannot come to Bethlehem except by way of the Jordan. You cannot celebrate grace without hearing first the prophetic voice, though it is also good to be reminded that the prophetic is a part of the gospel, but not the heart of the gospel. The prophetic is a part of the gospel, but not the heart of the gospel. Every year, right now, the Baptist out in the dark, cold, miserable, mud-soaked Jordan River stops us. He stops you and me. He says the one prayerful word of the precursor, the prophetic word, prepare. Then he calls the whole people to prayer, to repentance for pervasive sin, to acceptance of pardon as the way out of evil and hurt, to assurance of grace. Prayer is what comes before the rest, like Sunday morning is meant to come before the rest of the week. Are you getting off on the right foot week by week? John the Baptist would want to know. Listen carefully to what Luke says about him. See the Lucan Baptist, different from John the Baptist in Mark. Mark, 20 years before, began his gospel, began the whole gospel with the Baptist. His gospel opens the voice of one, not Luke. Luke wants John put in particular context 20 years later. And we want to hear the gospel in the gospels. Luke says something different from what he borrowed out of Mark. That should give us confidence as we preach and as we live to take the gospel in hand and apply it to our own condition, our own time, as, well, the first gospel writers all, all did. So Luke has a history that precedes the precursor. 
This history, an orderly one, tells of the conjoint mysterious births of John and Jesus. This history, an orderly one, gives singing voice to Zechariah, whose psalm we use today, and Mary two weeks hence. This history, an orderly one, acknowledges the days of Caesar Augustus and Quirinius. This history, an orderly one, honors Joseph and paints like El Greco shepherds in the firelight of the smoking cradle, Bart. This history, an orderly one, makes a little space for the childhood of Jesus in woe and weal both, circumcision, presentation, growth in wisdom, and temple teaching. And then only does Luke allow the Baptist to appear. But even here it is the orderly history that prevails. Fifteen years, Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, Herod and Philip, unpronounceable regions, beautifully read today, <laughs> eminently forgettable tetrarchs and priesthoods, a six-fold synchronism, as Boltman Riley remarks. Luke is making sure Jesus has his feet firmly planted in history, both of secular empire and sacred temple, and an orderly history at that. So for us, our engagement with history under the influence of the Gospel of Luke matters, counts, lasts, and is lastingly real. More on this in a moment. Our year at Marsh Chapel is given over to the theme of prayer, to the life of prayer, and we have spoken about what prayer is and is meant to be for us. But in the crusty spirit of the prophetic Baptist here in Luke, we might also this morning want bluntly to say what prayer is not. Prayer is not a substitute for work. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is not mindless, not rote or impersonal. Prayer is a precursor to work which shapes the worker and makes work mindful. Prayer has the power, the influence of the precursor, like John the Baptist out in the cold river mud. Our Boston University personalist, Professor Borden Parker Bound, wrote, this is in 1910, as our friend Mark Davies reminded us this month, there is a fancy that prayer alone is the great instrument of success. This overlooks the true nature of prayer and also the conditional form of human progress. In all matters which God has made to depend on human action, that is not prayer but irreverent impertinence which pours itself out in verbal petition while neglecting to use the means which lie on our power. To appoint a day of fasting and a prayer to ward off cholera while allowing the streets, houses, and water to supply to reek with filth and all manner of insanitary abomination would be more like blasphemy than prayer. A farmer lying on his back in the shade while his fields remain unplowed and unsown cannot truly pray for harvest. In all cases where our activity is demanded, works is a work is a necessary part of prayer, or rather it is the form which true prayer necessarily takes on. Heaven's ear is deaf to easy verbal petitions. It is not until the whole soul is engaged that we can be said to pray. Prayer in its purest essence is found in all action toward a desired object. It is the pouring out of the whole soul, not only in word but in act as well, for the attainment of what we seek. Prayer is not a substitute for work. 
Likewise, Paul Tillich wrote near 1960 as our congregant Dr. Chris Cayley in New Haven, Connecticut reminded us this fall, God's directing creativity is the answer to the question of the meaning of prayer, especially prayers of supplication and prayers of intercession. Neither type of prayer can mean that God is expected to acquiesce in interfering with existential conditions. Both mean that God is asked to direct the given situation toward fulfillment. The prayers are an element in this situation, a most powerful factor if they are true prayers. As an element in the situation, a prayer is a condition of God's directing act creativity, but the form of this creativity may be the complete rejection of the manifest content of the prayer. Nevertheless, the prayer may have been heard according to its hidden content, which is the surrender of a fragment of existence to God. This hidden content is always decisive. It is the element in the situation which is used by God's directing creativity. Every serious prayer contains power, not because of the intensity of desire expressed in it, but because of the faith the person has in God's directing activity, a faith which transforms the existential situation. That is, prayer is not a magical contradiction of the laws of nature or the movement of history. Likewise, three days ago in this sanctuary, we celebrated the life of Professor Abner Eliezer Shimoni of Boston University. He had been both a professor of physics and a professor of philosophy. My, oh my. The music and memories of the day reflected a profound life of prayer, of mindfulness, over eight decades, embracing both physics and metaphysics, both Einstein and Whitehead, and his life evoked these words from and about him. Ideas matter, and there is a deep beauty in pursuing them. The sense of wonder is the basis of learning. With Thucydides, we need to restore the sacred olive groves. He worked both toward a peaceful coexistence of quantum mechanics and special relativity and toward an understanding of the deepest secrets of the universe to enhance a sense of wonder about the world and sensitivity to the facts of the world. Science and spirit both, and a bit of humor. He was remembered to have said, the reasons for studying Latin are many and good, but not easy to remember. Prayer is not mindless. Prayer is not a substitute for work. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is not mindless. Prayer is a precursor to work, which shapes the worker and makes the worker mindful. Prayer has the power, the influence of the precursor, like John the Baptist, out in the cold river mud. So I ask you, it's a respectful question, but it's a serious one. Is yours a life of prayer? Do you let the morning waking hour be a waking hour? A prayerful precursor to the work ahead? Do you let Sunday be 
Sunday? A prayerful precursor to the work ahead? Do you let Advent be Advent? A prayerful precursor to the work ahead. It is in this spirit that Paul can write, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work among you will bring it to completion. His words, prayerful words, are themselves precursors. Beloved, we come to church this morning drenched in sorrow and drenched in anger. In the wake of terror, east and west, Paris and California and elsewhere. We wonder how in the world honestly to face religious extremism and fully to stand beside our brothers and sisters of different faiths. Some of us will gather tomorrow night at 6 p.m. in the George Sherman Union to address just this issue. We wonder how in the world to keep moving forward toward a public health cure for gun violence when so little forward motion seems to occur and the same blank stares and empty phrases follow yet another sordid, evil, awful slaughter. Some of us will gather Wednesday evening at 7.30 on December 9th at First Church Boston on Marlborough Street to address just this issue. Nor are these the only issues of our time. But in the gospel, we remain hopeful. Real change is real hard, but it happens in real time when people really work at it. This is Paul's koinonia, commonwealth of the gospel, partnership of the gospel, weakly translated and rendered today in our NRSV as sharing of the gospel. My, my goodness, sharing. Sharing, sharing is not the half of it. The koinonia to evangelio, the commonwealth of the gospel, is work, it's partnership, it's power. You can if you think you can. For example, we can move toward reduction in gun violence in our time, and this very hour of sacrament and sermon is itself a prayerful precursor. In the last decade, I have seen change, good change. I see unemployment rates so high, now low. I see two wars ended with continued forceful attention to containment abroad and protection at home, containment abroad and protection at home. I see the Gulf of Mexico cleaned. I see Massachusetts-style health care spreading out across the country. I see Ebola defeated. I see deliberation and detente with Iran. I see civil rights for gay and lesbian people. I see a global summit on climate change. I see two vibrant Boston marathons since 2013 and another one coming soon. I see a growing awareness of the limits and perils of some of the newer technologies. I see more and better conversation about race and injustice. It does matter what monuments you have on your campus plaza and lawn, and it helps to know their histories. And every day I see optimistic 20-year-olds who have just not heard that it can't be done. It can be done. Yes, it can. It just takes prayer as precursor 
and a prayerful human precursor or two like you. Or like that one lone senator from Illinois who got his start, it may have been, working in a Methodist child care program, or did he, high above Cayuga's waters, who stepped up, stepped forward, and stepped ahead. And Senator Mark Kirk did something, and as his former pastor, or was I, I should be able to do something too. And so should you. Our engagement with history under the influence of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, matters, counts, lasts, and is lastingly real. My grandmother in her 80s had a sign on her kitchen door. It was her kind of prayer. Do one thing. There. You've done one thing. Prayer is a precursor. Prayer is a precursor to learning, doing, and being. And the life of prayer prepares the future's way. And precursors have powerful influence. Amen. Please be seated. 
We welcome you once again here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. In this Advent season, Marsh Chapel is once again supporting Cradles to Crayons. For more information about how you can participate in this, we encourage you to see Jay in the narthex after the service. Uh, As we continue through the service today into communion, we encourage you to note the notes on distribution and on healing prayer stations in your bulletin. As it is the Advent season and this is the beginning of the last week of classes, there are a few things going on here at Marsh Chapel. Uh, Following the service today is our monthly uh, post-communion luncheon downstairs and also this month an Advent party with crafts and fellowship and frivolity for all. Later in the afternoon at 3 o'clock is our annual Blue Christmas service right here back here in the nave and at 6.30 our weekly Vesper service. On Thursday, the last day of classes, at 5.30 in the evening, we will have a tree trimming right here in the nave. Come for hot chocolate, hot cider, uh, decorate the tree, and sing a few carols. Friday, we have our Global Stress Relief Day from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. See Ms. Jessica Chica, our university chaplain for international students, for more about that. Then at 6 o'clock, again, here in the nave, is our university service of lessons and carols. There's an insert in your bulletin about it. We do, do hope to see you then. Next Saturday through Monday, we will host our semesterly study period study retreat. This is an opportunity for Boston University students to integrate study and spirituality as they prepare for final exams and term papers. More information about that is available on a purple flyer in the narthex on your way out. Then at 11 o'clock next Sunday morning, we will repeat our service of lessons and carols and look forward to seeing you then. If any of us are still standing at that point, we will have our Christmas open house at the castle next Sunday, beginning at 1230 just down Bay State Road. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we encourage your generosity and your meditation upon Charles Wood's setting of O Thou, the Central Orb. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
for the work before us, for the life within us, for the fellowship among us, for thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream, when nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, whom you sent in the fullness of time to be a light to the nations. You scatter the proud in the imagination of their hearts, and have mercy on those who fear you from generation to generation. You put down the mighty from their thrones and exalt those of low degree. You fill the hungry with good things, and the rich you send empty away. Your own Son came among us as a servant to be Emmanuel, your presence with us. He humbled himself in obedience to your will and freely accepted death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. 
And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, support us all the day long of this troublous life until shadows lengthen and the evening comes and the busy world is hushed and the fever of life is over and our work is done. Then in thy mercy grant us, we pray, a safe rest, a happy lodging, and peace at the last. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 